Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 90. I redid the math and I added some of the uh, round tables, and actually, it just makes it easier for me to send out stuff to have everything at the top of the list. But like I've said a few times before, this is my podcast. I can do what I want to with it. So uh, this is now episode number 90. And stepping in, uh, there was a guy named Al Oliver that was a great pinch hitter in the mid-80s for like the Montreal Expos and that type of thing. And, and being our Al Oliver tonight is Tony Chapman, the media mogul of central Nebraska, if you will. Uh, we got media mogul talking with media mogul here tonight. What do you think? Are, are we media moguls, Tony? We are whatever we want to be, Marty, <laughs> right? I guess we are, at least in our own yeah. minds. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. No. Uh, Thanks for having me. This will be fun. Oh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be a great time. Uh, you know, we're, uh, we, uh, we, we kind of had a situation earlier today where my regularly scheduled host, or the, the, the my regularly scheduled host, what am I talking about here? The, the, the person that I had on, the scheduled to have on, uh, couldn't come on, had some family things come up. So I kind of threw a line out there, and, and Tony stepped up, and uh, really excited. We've kind of been circling each other for a little while anyway. Um, so it just seems like, uh, you know, it's good that our first real big, big conversation a bunch of people get to listen to. Yeah, this will be fun. Like I said, this will be fun, and fall sports season is is underway, and we're ready to start getting crazy and being gone a few nights a week. And so, uh, it's time to time to get going. Wow. Well, speaking of getting going, let's get through the stuff that pays the bills. First of all, we always want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, which is located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cosac Chiropractic. Give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so be sure to download, rate, and review. Give us five stars so we can get the word out to as many folks as we can so folks can and coaches can hone their craft one day at a time. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, don't hesitate to email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach Chapman, Mr. Chapman, it is just awesome to have you on here. Uh, two guys that kind of like to talk a lot, you know, so, uh, you know, two questions and 55 minutes later, everybody should have their fill of us by the end of this. So. We'll see if we can get a few more questions in. How about that? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try. We'll try. So, uh, Tony, for, for the folks that, uh, don't know uh, a lot about you, uh, kind of fill them in, fill them in, uh, your little niche in the high school world and, and some of the stuff that you've done and, and, and what you've done for the state of Nebraska has been absolutely awesome. Uh, I, I love the stuff that you put out there, and, and you guys have really taken things to, to another level here. But, uh, you know, how did you reach that point? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, it's, a, it, it's funny. I grew up, my dad was a coach, my grandpa was a coach, uh, so grew up in a gym and uh, went to college, went to, or graduated high school from Hampton, uh, played for the legendary coach Jerry Eikhoff, which was uh, mm-hmm. awesome, and my dad and a few others were my football coaches, and then went to college, uh, 
and was going to be a business teacher and a coach. And I got to my senior year and I wasn't going to finish and I didn't want to student teach. So <laughs> I went out into the, I went out into the business world, uh, and, or actually my, well, I guess about my second semester of my senior year of college, uh, I started writing for the, for the newspaper and I got to work in the sports information department at, at Hastings college and kind of fell in love with writing. Um, my first job was in uh, Sutton at the newspaper. There covered a lot of the great, uh, covered the great uh, Sandy Creek dynasty for uh, for a year before I moved yeah. to Omaha. I quickly realized getting in the sports journalism field that I was not going to be able to uh, raise a family uh, uh-huh. just writing just writing sports. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's really since that first job in Sutton, uh, 1998, 1999. I got married in 1999, and then it's really been a. Uh, uh, it's really been a full, well, I won't say a full-time hobby, but it's been a, uh, it's been a hobby uh, really for the last 20 years. Um, working at worked in uh, newspaper Delcorn, worked in the newspaper at uh, Gretna, and then we moved out here to Grand Island. My wife and I in uh, end of 2002, beginning of 03, uh, started working for the uh, working part-time for Grand Island Independent. Um, have really since 03, I've been in banking as my full-time career. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I just kind of fill my Friday nights and some random weeknights with going to games and, and doing those things. And, uh, got, uh, uh, really got involved, uh, at about 2000, 2010, 2011, I had kind of a idea on my own that I wanted to kind of start a, uh, I called, started a website called the prep huddle. Uh, that's how I got on Twitter. I had a Twitter handle called the prep huddle mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, had that website. I kind of wanted it to be like Husker Max, but for Nebraska prep sports. So mm-hmm. it would just kind of dig in and, and show all the links from Friday night. Um, and it was a great idea, but I did not have enough time to keep up with it and run it right. Yeah. And so uh, uh, that lasted for a year. And uh, through Twitter, uh, connected with Taylor Seward and Henderson, who had just founded Stripe TV in 2012. Um, and we kind of put our minds together uh, to help him grow the Strive brand, which is the streaming that, that everybody's aware of. I think Taylor's now up over 150 schools uh, that do streaming uh, for their schools. And uh, we started StriveSports.com to help him share stories uh, of, of his schools. And I did a lot of writing for him. We did some podcasting and, and some video stuff. And then uh, a few years ago, we launched uh, nebpreps.com, which is kind of the kind of the gig that you'll see a lot of my stuff on now. Yeah. Um, and then last October, uh, last October, we added Mike Sauter to that platform. We really feel like we've got a fun platform uh, to bring kind of our first full school year here this year. So we're actually, I'm actually just getting ready to publish the old uh, football rankings from our coaches uh, here as soon as we get done. So um, we're, we're right into it. Uh, We'll be doing football and volleyball and softball rankings and featuring a lot of high school kids across the state. And uh, it should be fun. We're excited about it. Well, I just can't believe for your own financial portfolio that you turned down being an educator and decided to get into banking. I mean, you know, think think of where you'd be living at right now. So yeah, I know my parents were both teachers. Uh, my mom taught, uh, started as a home economics teacher and, and ended as a kindergarten teacher. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a history geography. Uh, driver's ed you know we were always lived in eight-man towns my dad loved coaching eight-man football and so uh you have to kind of coach you have to kind of coach and teach everything when you when you do that so uh wouldn't wouldn't a trade growing up like that for the world it was a blast so i i know it's it's hard to coach your own child because i've done that Mm -hmm. how hard was it taking driver's ed from your dad 
Yeah, that was, uh, I was the last class. Uh, so <laughs> I was the last class that we actually did it during the school day. I don't know if you remember, you know, that mass exodus from uh, during the school day to summer driver's ed happened mm-hmm. like right after I was learning, uh, learning how to drive. So I don't, I don't seem to remember having any horror stories from it. I wasn't a very good driver though at that age. And so my dad, my dad probably would have been able to tell you more bad stories uh, about me than I have about him. So you you survived and the driver's ed car stayed intact the entire time. So you're in good shape. shape. How, uh, how satisfying, and and I know you're not satisfied, um, but you know, you, you do have to have a sense of satisfaction. How about that? To to see your uh, to see to see your ideas grown in the way that they have, and and to have the uh, influence that that you that you've been able to put together here with the strive with the, the with the Nebraska preps um, that, that that you you know these are things that that have come from you that you've built from the ground up or with the help of one or two other people you but you've yeah. been the foundation of this that that's got to be a real satisfying satisfying feeling that that you've uh, that you're helping kids getting exposure and and giving them a little bit of a taste of the big time if you will um, especially kids from from smaller communities you know what's what's that like well you know I don't, I don't know. You say satisfying. It, it is satisfying. I just think it's a load of fun. Yeah. Um, I just love connecting. I think those kids, those kids keep connecting with kids who are, uh, whether it's coaching, you know, my daughters and, and her friends, or whether it's uh, going and covering a high school football game or a girls basketball game or a volleyball game or whatever it is, or beating an athlete um, and sharing their story. Um, it's just exciting for me just to meet those kids and know that, uh, you know, I had a little bit a part of of sharing what what their story was, and whether that is how successful they've been on the court, or if they have a unique thing that they've overcome. Um, I really enjoy sharing that, and I think the other thing I enjoy more than anything too um, is sharing the lessons. You know, my dad was a coach. Um, I've been on the good and the bad side of of my dad being a coach, but I've always tried to keep in perspective. Um, what are we really trying to learn and teach? Uh, in high school sports, uh, it's you know state championships are great. Um, my senior year on basketball, we played in a state championship game in little old class D one, and we got beat by a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was it, it was hard, but you know all those guys are still my buddies. Yeah. Um, one of them's the bat boys basketball coach at Elkhorn, and I watched Benji get his heart ripped out, uh, just like we got ripped out in high school. You know at the, at the state tournament this year, and. Uh, but we know that that what we're teaching uh, is far beyond uh, that one game. And I think sometimes those lessons don't get shared so much in, in print or in video. And that's a really kind of cool thing that, that I really love doing is helping share that, that side of the story. Yeah. You, you just mentioned there, uh, you know, obviously your dad was a football coach for a long time. And, and you saw the good and the bad of it uh, as a coach's kid. What you know for for our coaches that are listening to this? What are some of the things that we need to be aware of as coaches? And obviously, as you know, well, no, Tony, this is you know mainly it's going to be basketball coaches listening to this. But I think it applies to to any sport. You know, what are those things that we as as fathers and mothers need to be aware of for our kids to 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 kind of you know what part of the bad stuff affected you as a kid that it was hard for you and what was like the really enjoyable stuff 
Well, uh, this this can this can be a really really long answer. Hey, so, it's okay. We got uh, time. You know, my my when when I say you know my dad coached football, I also won a state championship in girls basketball uh, at Hampton, and so I had a lot of brothers and sisters growing up who didn't live with me, right? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the greatest things about being a coach's kid is. Uh, is all the all of my, all of my dad's uh, all of my dad's players uh, were part of my family, mm-hmm. uh, and I think even you know my dad my dad actually passed away July sixth, yep. and uh, for for to see all to see the players that came back uh, to talk to them to listen to the impact that he that he had on them, uh, you know that 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 is, that is really you know that that warms my that warms my heart. But I can go back to uh, my dad's dad yeah. <laughs> if you think if you think. Uh, coaching, uh, if you think coaching has just been silly in the last 15 years, my dad's dad uh, won a state championship at a Geneva in 1965, my grandpa Archie. And on Monday, he came back to school and they said they weren't going to renew his contract. And uh, so uh, my, my dad had that happen. You know, all I ever wanted to do growing up was play football for my dad. And uh, my dad got fired after my freshman year. We had a one and eight season. Um, and, you know, we were playing eight man football. We had 25 guys out, and 21 of us were freshmen, sophomores and uh they didn't like that um and so my dad didn't coach me the rest of my high school career um but the one thing you know the one thing i never saw uh the one thing i never saw from my from my dad from my mom or my dad was uh they never let me know uh they never let me know if any, you know, they never let that, the bad stuff affect what our family was affect affect our family mm-hmm. um and so super grateful for that. You know, like my dad got fired after uh, my freshman year of football. Uh, he looked for other jobs, but we never left. He, he wanted to stay in, stay, stay in Hampton. He liked Hampton. Uh, he's continued to coach girls basketball uh, after that, even though he missed football. Uh, my dad was the first guy to write a check for me to go to football camp. Uh, my dad was supportive of our team. He was always at our games. And uh, I'm sure that that was very hard for him and my mom, uh, to go to my games when he wasn't coaching. Uh, but it was always a supportive, uh, it was a supportive atmosphere. So, um, you know, if I were to speak to a, if I were to speak to a high school coach today, um, the first thing, the first thing I would tell him, I went to Hastings high game on, uh, Friday night and their football coach, Charlie Shoemaker's a, a good friend and his, his little son is in sixth grade and the ball boy. Um, there's nothing better than, than, being the ball boy for your dad. I've got a thousand pictures of me, uh, being the ball boy for dad. And I can, uh, you know, I can just, you know, I can tell that that, that that is great. Um, but I think the other thing is, um, you will appreciate as, uh, as your child gets older and as you get older, you will appreciate the lessons that you learned in the gym again, that aren't related to sports. Um, you appreciate them so much more as you get older um, and you'll appreciate that time in the gym. So another thing I would tell a coach is cherish that time when your kids are with you um, and soak that in and create memories uh, that they're going to remember um, for the rest of their life. If they want to be the student manager, let them be the student manager. Yeah. Uh, let them ride the bus. Some of my best memories of elementary school are riding the football bus yeah. uh, on the, to the football game. And so uh, let them do those things. Let them be involved in the team if that's what they're interested in um, and create those, create those memories for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I talked about in large part with my like uh, uh, foundation Friday the other day was just enjoying the ride and in, enjoying mm-hmm. that, 
that process because you never know when it's going to be over and right. and uh just to embrace every moment and in my situation it's you know the with my two sons moving on to, to college here and and that, and that's a life-changing event um yeah but uh yeah you know the the, the ride can be taken away from us like i i think it's uh, you know, this is the thing that drives me nuts sometimes about about high school sports and activities in general. You know, your your dad wasn't good enough to to coach the football team anymore, but yet he was good enough to coach the girls' basketball team. Well, a coach is a coach is a coach, or a teacher is a teacher is a teacher, and so yeah. some of that, that you know that that type of stuff just you know just dr- just drives you up a wall. You know, when you, when you mm-hmm. hear about stuff like that, and uh, that's frustrating in, in my opinion, but. You know, I'm not in charge of the world, so all I'm in charge of is this little podcast. So, um, you're you're a Nebraska guy through and through. You know, in in your adult life, uh, how much growth have you seen in high school sports in general? Uh, in in the sense of how much the skill level has improved, how much the uh, the commitment that it takes in the off season, that type of thing. I mean, you you you've seen it mainly from the the media's eye, but you you bust your butt and you cover a lot of different things, so you're just not kind of mm-hmm. off in your own little corner. You know, what have you seen with with that over the years? I think, um, I think a I think a lot like uh, I think a lot like uh, we see out in the world today. There uh, there isn't much of a middle anymore. Uh, which, which kind of concerns me. Um, and what I, what I say, what I say about that is that we have extremely talented athletes who are working very hard and the very top end of our, uh, of the players and teams in Nebraska are very, very good. Mm -hmm. Um, I worry about the kid who was like me in high school. Um, I was the seventh man on the basketball team and, uh, I enjoyed the heck out of being the seventh man on the basketball team. I knew I was not as good as our five best players, but I embraced the role of, uh, you know, I had five other guys that were the second five and we embraced the role of let's make sure that our team's practices are harder than the games. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I guess, I guess where I'm going with this is I feel like we don't have kids who, um, who embrace that role anymore, but I also feel like we don't have coaches in this society that really want those kids anymore. They want you to be, uh, they want you to be doing all those things in the summer. They want you to be, um, they want you to be working, you know, doing, you know, skill development constantly or whatever. And I'm not saying that's not important. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is, is that I feel like participation wanes because we don't value the role player anymore. We don't mm-hmm. value the 12th kid on the varsity basketball team uh, as much as we should. We don't value the kid who really enjoys the game, but is playing JV um, and, and makes your, makes your team better or uh, enhances the culture uh, of your team. I feel like football uh, have a big concern about football because I think it's turned into, um, I think kids don't want to play it anymore. Um, if they're not going to play, they don't want to get beat up if they're not going to play. Yeah. Um, I think you really are seeing that in the small schools now. Um, you have uh, participation rates are declining um, severely unless you have a coach who has a really good culture and embraces all the kids uh, being on the team. There are small schools and small towns who have that culture, but I think that culture is 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 fading away rapidly. Unfortunately, when you look at the eight man and the six man. Uh, 
football ranks. You've got a lot of schools playing six-man football that are D1 uh, in other sports, meaning they've got 25, 30, 35 kid boys in high school, and they can only get 12, 13, 14 out for football. Yeah. Uh, that's concerning to yeah. me. I think you've got some C1 and C2 schools that can only get 25 or 30 kids out for football. That yeah. just is insane to me. Yeah. Um, kids have so many more options, you know, today. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so, so you, so you have that, but I think what, what's really amazing though, is that the level of play is so much higher, um, is so much higher now than it was, uh, when I was in high school, um, I graduated high school in 1994. And I think about like, if I go watch an eight man football game, um, we made the playoffs my senior year and, and, I mean, we wouldn't stay, step on this, dare step on the same field with some of these uh, eight-man football teams that are going out there now. The work they put in in the weight room, um, and so uh, that to me, uh, that to me is really interesting. Um, I, I think the level of play um, in in almost all sports uh, has really gone um, has really gone up to a to a higher level. I think probably the one. Um, Maybe the one thing I'd say is that with basketball, um, you probably can get into this way more even than I do, but just as I watch it, um, with the exception of maybe what, you know, class a, uh, was this last year. Um, I think it, I think the continuity of team play because kids are off on their own a lot on the, in the summer and they're not spending much time together with their team as they usually did in the past. Um, it's a way more grinded out defensive minded game anymore, especially in the, in the smaller schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we played a lot of, we played a lot of 75, 60 games when I was, you know, when I was in high school. Now, if you went to a class D game, you'd be like, you'd be jumping up and down to see a team get into the fifties. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. There are some schools that can still, that, that will still get up and down the floor and have the skill level to push it. But I think the, um, I think the overall, um, skill level uh or just the game and how it's played um i don't want to say it's overcoached because i love all the coaches but um <laughs> the, pos- the possessions are value it seems like there's yeah. uh, it seems like the the just letting the kids play basketball and understand concepts has maybe kind of been lost a little bit in in some of the smaller school basketball no no we overcoach the crap out of it tony we, <laughs> you know i mean now now i think that you know the, the technology has yeah, totally been a, a, a tremendous enabler in that yep. regard because um, mm-hmm. you can get on, uh, you know, when I started coaching, and I don't want to sound like I'm old, but I'm, I'm experienced at this point. I guess you would classify yeah. me as experienced. Right. Uh, if if you wanted to get a tape on somebody, well, that had to be a VHS tape that they had to mail to you. That had to be a dub from the original copy, and just hope and pray that you had you had some kid who was able to run the VHS camera at that point, and you got that in, and you had to get that. You had to make arrangements for that a week and a half, two weeks in advance for you to get that film because that's just the way it worked. And now, just you know, just as well as I do. You can you can one you can hit a couple of buttons and boom 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 and you've got a film in in ninety seconds and you yep. can start breaking that thing down and if and if you have six films to break down and if you're a pretty smart coach you can really do a lot to take away uh, the other team's stuff if if, if you're able to do it like that so yep. um, I think it makes it 
I, I think it's overcoached, but I think it's it's out of a place of um, hard work and uh, I, I don't know how I'm how I'm trying to put a bow on this, um, but I, I I think that that is um, the the defensive side of it. I think the kids yep. shoot it better than they ever have before. I think the ball handling is is really really good. I think the passing is not mm-hmm. as good. Um, but I think the defense and just the ability for, co- you know, how often do you see it even at, at the state tournament? I know the state tournament, everything is magnified, but somebody starts running something and you've got three assistants standing up. And first of all, you yep. got three, four, five, 17 assistants on the sideline. <laughs> you know, Woodard has half of Bellevue on the sideline with him. Yeah. I said that, Doug, we, we went back there, Doug, but you know, they're all calling out the play and they're telling, you know, you got half a dozen guys hollering out what's happening before it even happens for the other team. Yep. And, so and, you're, and well, they, they also might be playing that team for the fourth time. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, but does yep. does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you that the the ease of scouting the opponent uh, has has changed completely. Uh, it's changed. Uh, you know. You know. You know. In my in my dad's era, even when I was in high school, um, you had to have an assistant or somebody in your school who could drive to a game and do a live scout. Yeah. And that was how you, that was how you really, uh, that was how you really, that was the difference between, between a scout and, and, and nothing. And yeah. so, um, and so, yeah, no, I, I totally, I uh, totally get it. Uh, huddle has changed the game. Um, guys who do, do, who do one-on-one skill work, you know, you mentioned the dribbling, the ball handling, the passing, the shooting is, is so much better. Um, yeah, I I, compl- I complete I completely agree with you. Um, it's uh, uh, it has changed it. It has changed it. It has changed it for 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 the better. I just hope we're not leaving anyone behind who enjoys it. That's kind of where I'm kind of where I would stand at it. I guess. Sure, sure. Well, you know the 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 leaving it behind. We we were gonna. Well, let's go here. You know, you guys, you you've done a, a lot of really great things with your with your media coverage, and and I really believe, yeah. And we talked about the changing landscape of sport, uh, but with that higher skill level and and those type of things, um, you also are able to the and and not just us, but everybody's able to to witness some pretty epic things. And uh, one of the things that happened here in our state uh, was last last spring, uh, the championship Saturday. And, and for those of you unfamiliar with how Nebraska works, at least until this coming year, uh, you know, the, the girls' state tournament uh, pre-COVID was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And you had to win three games in three days to win a state championship. And the boys was the next weekend. And then because of COVID last year, they changed some things up, which I really liked. I, I think that was a lot better to space it out, give teams some some rest. I think the shooting was better throughout the tournament. But anyway, the, the championship Saturday, um, for, for a guy who, you know, when you guys are doing that stuff with Strive and Nebraska Preps, you're looking for storylines. And yeah. you had no shortage of storylines that entire day. And and what was it like covering just so many special games and monumental events that that all happened within a span of about fourteen hours of, of one yeah. another? Yeah, I mean it was it was amazing. I, I, I even go back to uh you know, the girls weekend. We had so many you know, we had 
Division One players in almost every class, which is so rare, yeah. uh, from A all the way down to D2. Yeah. And uh, they made big plays for their teams. You know, I think a Grace Cave shot. Mm-hmm. I think Alexis Markowski, uh, you know, the, how she just carried Lincoln Pius and then Britt Prince for what she did as a freshman. I mean, I can go on and on, right? Yeah. And then, uh, and then you come back the next weekend and, you know, you talk about the, about the finals. I think if you, if you sat back and, and looked at, uh, and looked at the boys finals, you probably, you probably, uh, you probably specifically remember, uh, the class A game, obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, uh, it was to me the semifinals, mm-hmm. uh, that semifinal Friday, um, where you know where you had Bellevue West and Millard North, and who am I going to leave out? Creighton Prep. Creighton Prep. Mm-hmm. And who did Bellevue West beat? Uh, they beat Creighton kids. Prep, and was it two or three overtimes? I'm, I'm, That's I'm lo- right. I'm looking okay. it up right now. Do it because well, because who did who did Millard uh, who did Millard North beat then? They beat uh, Millard West after they had the uh, that's right. the miracle yeah. the miracle finish yep. in the in the opening round against Pius. So. Correct, and you know you just sit back and and I mean that Millard North prep game, uh, Chucky Hepburn was was so good. Uh, I mean they were done. I mean they were dead to rights. And Creighton Prep, uh, Creighton Prep really you know probably deserved to win that game, and you know just big players making big time plays. And, and, and I can remember, um, you know, for when I was a kid, I always say that, you know, the greatest day in Nebraska high school basketball history is March 11, 1989. Um, you had Wahoo beating Pius. Um, you had Millard South undefeated class A champion. Um, that semifinal Friday rivaled, uh, rivaled that mm-hmm. in my opinion. And then for, uh, and then, you know, for the next night for that game to, to live up to the hype after both of those teams had, had, had played really great games the night before. Yeah. Um, and to see so many, you know, the other thing, too, that we just don't, I think, are spoiled. So many Division One athletes mm-hmm. on the floor um, that night. And I'm, I'm, I'm a guy, too. I'm excited to watch Chucky play at Wisconsin. I'm excited to watch Hunter Silas play. At Gonzaga, I'm excited to watch St. Thomas play mm-hmm. uh, at Loyola, and so um, it was just you know it's hard to it's hard to really almost sometimes it's hard to put it into words yeah. um, how, how special it is and to try to react into that moment and to to write about it or put it on a recap video or get the right <laughs> picture you know what I mean yeah. um, sometimes you just gotta kind of just you almost, you know, I remember I kind of wrote a piece that was like a week later, just kind of reflecting on just how great, how great it was. And, uh, uh, sometimes you do have to kind of sit back in the moment. And I know, I know a lot of TV guys will say, sometimes you don't even talk at all. You just kind of let the action, uh, play out. And, uh, sometimes you got to sit back and, and wait a week and, and really reflect on how awesome that's going to be. Because what's going to happen is history will tell us tell us how great that night really was you know yeah. we'll get five years from now ten years from now uh if chucky and chucky and hunter are playing in the nba we'll go man do you remember that night yeah <laughs> that they went at it in the state championship game i mean that'll be um that'll be what it's really what what will really 
determine how how awesome that was awesome in the moment but was it awesome in history as well and, and those are what the great those are what the great days have yeah. uh, that was a, it was a special tournament both both boys and girls i thought well yeah you know I, and i was going through you know just kind of reliving the scores real quick as you were talking you know the yep. bellevue west and and for those non-nebraska residents you know this is the state semi now you know last year in the state of nebraska we're we're a state of maybe two million people and and we had three boys basketball teams ranked in the USA Today top twenty five, um, yep. all from the same city. And uh, you know it's it's a triple overtime game in the semifinal, and it's it's ninety five ninety four is the final score. So this was not a slug it out fifty to forty nine triple overtime. This was this was pure basketball, getting up and down and flying around. And you know that third quarter of the Millard North. Uh, Bellevue West final was some of the most beautiful basketball I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it was just unbelievable. But the, even then, you know, you go down the line to the Beatrice overtime. The kid hits the the kid chucks up the three from thirty feet away at the buzzer to put it in OT. Not to not to hurt your old high school classmate there, Tony. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, yeah, yeah, that game that game was was the opposite of Class A. C one yes. was the opposite of Class A, but. It was still basketball, and I think it was still really great coaching. Yeah, it was coaches who adapted. You know, Jim Weeks is Jim Weeks and Zach Foster at, at Adams Central and in Auburn, two great coaches. Um, and you know, it was coaches who adapted to to their personnel. I don't know how many times I talked to Benji during the year, and and he'd rattle off his starting five to me. He said, "I don't have any basketball players." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got I got a really bunch of great kids on a bunch of great athletes. Yeah, and they deserve they deserve the best that that I can give them. Yeah, and. That's what they got, yep. and they'll, they'll remember that basketball season for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. So, so let's fix the world here, Tony. You, <laughs> you and I are, are both passionate about uh, youth sports. You do a lot of, uh, you know, coaching uh, girls basketball mm-hmm. at the youth level out in your area. Um, so, how can and, and we don't want to say uh, fix the the youth sports but we we one of the things i wanted to talk about with you because you're knee deep in it right now your kids are right in at that age uh we we want to make it better we want to yeah. make it better so so one of the things i want to talk about you because you're you know i have my own views and it's been you know for a good four years since my kids have really participated in youth sports and i know a lot of change can change in in four years and but now i have the view of a high school head coach and i've got my own opinions there but you're a parent you yeah. you see you see a lot and, and again your perspective is different because you get to see so much in my situation right. and i probably get to see more than the average high school coach does but it's still pretty microscopic or you know micromanaged there in that regard um what can we do to make youth sport better? I've got three big things on my list, uh, but do you want to have first crack, or do you want me to throw something out there first? Uh, I, I would the, the the first the first thing I would say is at the at the school and community level, we need to make things more inclusive, not less. Okay. Um, I think the I think the now, now again I'm all for extra play and summer development and the select team. And if they want to go do some stuff extra, that's outside of the regular season, they definitely should be doing that. But I think the one thing I've enjoyed, um, is that Grand Island Northwest where my kids 
do and will go to schools. We've started a youth girls basketball program that there's no tryouts. Anybody that wants to play can play. And we let kids enjoy that. And, um, you know, we start them in, in first and second grade with just camps and skill development. And in third and fourth grade, we do some games and some three on three and up to fifth grade. And then, you know, my, my, my youngest daughter is a seventh grader last year at sixth grade was kind of the first time we went with a, you know, we kind of tried to introduce an A and a B team uh, so that they could play against different skill levels based on what their level was like. Um, but the ultimate goal I always have when coaching at that level is um, obviously my one goal is, do you want to come back and do it next year? Yep. And, and are you having fun? And so what, what I find though is, is that in some places, and I think at the, at, in Nebraska, we have a lot of communities that do it the right way, yeah. but do not, uh, don't have, don't pick your team at fourth or fifth grade. So you can go win somewhere to, and sacrifice the skill development of a kid who might not be ready yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of, that, that'd be my first big one. Um, and then I guess if you want to go, you can go, but that's my, that's my first one. Well, well I, I, that would, it, my first one is kind of related to yours. It's within the same ballpark here. Um, I would I would like to reduce the amount of games. I, I would like to have more practices in relation to the games, yeah. um, and and have that. You know what we try to do in our program is for every one game we have at least two practices. That's yeah, that's that's the goal. It. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's like you said. Um, and, and so what we've tried to do with ours, and especially in a small town. Um, we want to be inclusive uh, because we do have limited numbers. And so my biggest thing, what I tell my youth coaches, and we'll be meeting here in a few weeks and it will be reiterated, um, is we want to win every interaction with our kids and we want them to be excited to come back. That's mm-hmm. the, at, the, at the end of whatever you've done with those kids, have them be excited to, and want them, have them be excited to come back. That's that's what that's the environment we want to create, and that way your 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 net, so to speak, is going to be a lot wider. And because you know how it is, Tony, you you get a kid in fourth grade and you think, oh, they're going to be great, and yeah, here's this future all conference kid. And by the time they're in eighth grade, they're like, ah, I'm tired of playing basketball. I'm going to go play soccer yeah. now or whatever right. it may be. And now you've 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 left all these other kids behind, and now you're kind of stuck. So yep. I think we're kind of on the we're 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 on the same wavelength with the first one there. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I totally I totally agree. I, uh, you know, I I think we fix a lot of things if those are the only two things we changed. Yeah. Um, I uh, it's just I don't know, it's just it's just how I feel. I I I think that oh, I, I've always said, who am I to deny a girl? Who am I to cut a girl in fifth grade uh, when I don't know what she's going to be like in seventh or eighth or ninth that she might fall in love with and be an all-stater? Yeah. Why would you? Why would you stop giving that girl uh, an opportunity if you didn't? If if she could have it. On the flip side, as we grow and as we are inclusive, uh, this this would probably if I were fixing new sports, one of the the next thing I would fix is the we're parents. not fixing it. We're making it better. Making it better. Well, we've got a parent. We've got a we got a parent better. Um, that's that's actually we, number two. On, well, related to number two on my list. So go ahead. We we have got to. I'm also the president of Little League in Grand Island. We um, we this year had about 800 kids playing baseball and softball, mostly baseball, about 
75-25 as far as percentages go. Um, out of those 800 kids when they signed up, we only had about we only had about we had less than 100 parents sign up to coach. And I think there's a fear of parents now in coaching that they have to really know what they're doing. When in reality, we've got to train them to say, uh, especially when they're really young, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and they're just learning the games. Um, It's all about having fun and keeping the kids engaged and learning how to step and throw and catch or dribble or whatever it is they don't have to know everything about basketball Mm -hmm. but we need them to be we need them to want to help because we might we feel we feel like even with our northwest program we 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 don't want to get to a point where we have 35 fifth graders sign up and there's only two people that are willing to coach yeah well now we're now we do have a problem Mm -hmm. because it's not fair it's not fair to those kids to be uh, to be have a one on eighteen coach to you know coach yeah. to player ratio. Now nobody's doing. Now nobody's nobody's getting any better when that happens. So while you don't want to cut anybody, if you want your kids to be involved and have that opportunity, you've got to be willing to step up and help and volunteer and and lean on the coaches who who do have an idea of what to do and then go have fun with with that group of kids that that you're responsible for. Yeah, so yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, what what's kind of the solution to that? Because I think my number 2 and number 3 are a byproduct of what you're saying there with with the lack of of coaches and I think you kind of hit both of them. I I think we have to and this would be my number 2 uh, we've got to do a better job of making of keeping it a game. It's a child's game, and, yeah. and I and I think you know, and you see the extremes on Twitter and and that type of thing. But just the the environment that these kids play in, um, yeah. and, and just having stricter crowd control measures and the, mm-hmm. the things that the things that the way people overreact at these youth things are are unbelievable at times and mm-hmm. and so that dissuades some people from wanting to do a good job with helping young kids in in youth sport but at the same time you're talking about that other segment of the parent who would say well yeah i've got the time to do it and i would like to do it but man i you know i don't feel like i have the ability to do this at the expectation level that i feel like some of these parents want to see their kids coached at and yeah. and so I think one of the things that we could do to make youth sport better is to train our coaches better and to educate our coaches better and to, so that they they do feel like they are confident and they do have the tools so that when they are put out on that island with those 8, 9, or 10 kids, that they are going to do a quality job at the level that they're at. And again, like you said, what what's going to be asked of them to teach at the six at, when they're six years old is going to be different than what they are being asked for at ten, what they're asked for at fourteen. But without that training, and we have we have a certain segment of the population that believes that Mike Shashevsky should be coaching their six year old kid, right. and that's just impossible because if they yeah. were that good, they wouldn't be coaching six year olds; they'd be doing something else. Yep. And you have to around your program. Uh, and I'd imagine, you know, this is, this is how it, I would think it would be very easy at the, you know, the C1 and down level where you have a community program that you can start is 
you have to you have to take the the emphasis can't be on winning. It has to be on skill development. Um, and I, you know, I've tried to preach that to whether I'm coaching a summer, a group of girls in the summer or whether I'm coaching my, you know, my sixth graders, uh, in the, with the, with the school league is that all we're trying to do is prepare you to be a good high school basketball player. Yeah. And we do not care. Uh, we do not care what the result is on some weekend random game against some other school. Um, uh, in February of 2020, we just yeah. don't care about that result. We're trying to tr- we're trying to create good kids that will work hard, that will listen to their high school coaches, um, and and then that high school experience that might be their old, that that's that's the experience that we want them to have a lot of fun and a lot of success with, mm-hmm. and everything before that is simply. Um, is simply to prepare them for how awesome that experience is going to be. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and because that's what that's what made it great for me. You know, I always tell my I always tell my daughters the first time I put a uniform on to play basketball as a seventh grader is a junior high basketball game. Yeah. And they've been playing basketballs basketball in a uniform, so to speak, yeah. since third or fourth grade. Yeah. And if those not earlier, for some kids, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for some kids, yeah, and those experiences have been great. You know, we, you know, our family's met so many great people through youth sports who will forever be part of our kids' lives. Um, but winning and losing uh, at that t- and during that time frame is like the farthest thing, uh, the farthest thing we're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And so, um, at least, at least that's how that's how I do it, and that's how the kids that I coach do it. And that might annoy a few of the parents that I coach that we don't put an emphasis as much maybe on winning and losing as we should. Um, But man, I want the winning and losing to happen in, in high school. I want them to, you know, I want them to be ready for a conference championship game or a district championship game, or just to, you know, have the experience to maybe one day you might get a play in Lincoln um, and experience that. Um, And, and that's a, and it's going to totally, you know, it's funny, my middle daughter who I've coached her group and I've coached a summer group, all those girls are in high school now. Uh, I will be an absolute wreck watching them participate in sports uh, just because I'm going to be so proud of them. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, it's, it is, I will, that's just, that's just how it will be. The first one that qualifies for state, I will buy her school shirt. Probably. Um, I will be there uh, to cheer her, to cheer, to cheer her team on because that's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, it's not about sixth grade or seventh grade or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, it's, about those experiences because remember those are the rest of your life here's here's a very important question for you tony yeah when they get to the state tournament are you a face painter or no 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 probably not a no. face painter okay no, all right probably not yeah I, I, I didn't know if you'd go david putty on us or not no you know, so. no i'd probably stay away all right so. gotcha gotcha <laughs> well, what uh what, what's uh what's one two three things that you really like with what you've implemented with your youth program out there at, at uh, Northwest uh, that you really feel like, yeah, you know, we're doing a really good job with this and we're making a real, we're doing a really good job of conscientiously implementing this up and down our program. That's going to help our kids be successful at the high school level. Yeah. Well, I think um, a number one skill development, uh, we, we try to, you know, we'll, we're, uh, 
we have really limited gym space. And yeah. so a lot of times um, we're just getting 90 minutes a week. Um, and I think some some programs would probably be trying to scrimmage and figure out plays and, and do all those things. We're, we'll spend, if we have a 90-minute practice, I spend between 45 minutes and an hour of every practice on skill development. Yeah. Um, dribbling, passing, defense. Um, you know, we uh, we teach only man-to-man defense. Um we, because we want to, we want the kids to be able to understand, the, you know, defensive principles um, all the way up into um, high school. Um, you know, I'm really curious to see this group. I, I, you know, my, my daughter's a freshman, as I said earlier. They're they're going to play high school basketball now. Um, I'm really curious to see uh, if what we're doing because we started the program when they were uh, when they were going into when they were sixth graders, and so they had three years in the in the program uh, with me and another coach. Um, and I'm really excited to see what how 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 they translate to to the to the high school game, how they play together, um, what kind of teammates they are. Um, I hope we're building those kind of uh, those kind of things in uh, in in into them. Um, that's really, uh, you know, skill development and what kind of teammate are you going to be? I, I don't know that if I were a high school coach, uh, you can teach the X's and O's all you want once they get to high school. Yeah. Um, do they work hard? Do they work hard and listen? Um, and can they dribble with their left hand and right hand and make some pivots and do bounce pass and a chest pass and and do they have a decent amount of have you developed a little bit of form shooting mm-hmm. and then. I think I could give them to just about anyone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's kind of that's kind of really what we're after. Well, so. well, you, you you say that, and and I think that's really important. So so you know, this kind of brings the whole thing full circle because we were talking about scouting and kind of getting into those rock fights, especially like at the Class B level. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it's almost like you're 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 violating the Geneva Convention in Class B in Nebraska if you score more than forty points at a state tournament game. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and but Matt Kern loves defense. Matt Kern loves defense. Yeah, That's what it's like. But uh, you know, it's. Uh, I'm glad you appreciated that one. Uh, but uh, you know, that they're they're going to have the plays scouted. So ultimately, which players can make plays, and yeah. and which kids you know just can can hit an open shot after a kid gets into the lane and gives you a kick out, and they can hit that shot with a hand in their face. After 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 you finally break the defense down or whatever it may be, and yeah. and I think sometimes at the youth level um, we we have we have situations that well we're going to run this set and that set and we're going to run these these ten sets with our seventh grade team. Well, but I can teach a I can teach any kid at the high school level if you give me five practices we can pretty much perfect a play in five mm-hmm. practices. Um, mm-hmm. But to to perfect how just how to play the game and how to read the defense. If they go here, I go here. If I cut, if if the defense is playing this way off the screen, I need to I need to flare here instead of curl here or whatever the situation yeah. may be. And I and yep. I think those if if you can teach those kids how to do that, and and more often than not, the teams that are able to to do that are usually the ones that are most successful in March. Yeah, you need a few set plays to try and get kid X, Y, or Z open. Uh, yep. But those kids need to be, you know, you need more often than not, you just need kids that can make plays. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and like, like you said, we, we try to, as opposed to, I'm not saying it always works. And what I found with girls is that they hate disappointing you. 
Yes. Uh, they want, they be. want to, uh, girls want to, uh, we, we every 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 practice uh, I had with those with with my girls as that are going into their freshman year, they think that if they miss a shot, they failed. Yeah. And so every time we would start practice, uh, every time we would start practice, I would uh, I would tell them what Steph Curry's shooting percentage was for the year, mm-hmm. and it was always you know forty seven, forty eight percent. I go, the greatest shooter in the world misses half the time. They're going to miss way more than half the time. Yeah. You got to just, you know, we just try to teach the kids to play yep. and have fun and teach them some concepts. And that doesn't always at that level lead to a lot of wins. But hopefully, again, it's it's always interesting that you play the same team in fourth grade and they beat you. And then you get a little bit closer in fifth grade and then you get even closer in sixth grade. And then as they finally get finally get all those concepts implemented, then you can then you start beating them. And yeah. and the guy who was winning because he played zone and pressed in fifth grade, all of a sudden in seventh grade, now that we can throw over it or we can you know we've learned how to handle a little better um you know those are the things that are that are really fun at the at the at the youth level is to see the development and see the kids see the kids get better as they get older absolutely absolutely so let's end on this tony um you, you you have an awesome gig in the sense of you're spending your free time seeing multiple you know all these different sports all of these 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 really really good coaches doing a lot of really really good things um in in your experience covering all these 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 uh these folks what are some some of the common threads that you see in these programs in these coaches that that have made um them do a really good job. And when I say do a really good job, that doesn't mean winning a state championship every year or being in a state tournament, but coaches that get their teams to max out with their talent. If, if they're a football team and they have five and four talent, they find a way to get to six and three or seven and two. Uh, yeah. You know, those those type of things. What, what are you seeing from those folks? Because like I said, you know, we get pretty myopic in the basketball world, but you get to see a little bit of everything from a lot of different places. So, so what do you yeah. think? Well, they've built uh, one, one thing I've always, one thing I've always found that I've, that I've always thought with great teams, the coach has built a culture where everybody's important and understands their role. Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel, and it's probably more volleyball and basketball. You don't probably quite see it as much in football because it's, the rosters get so big. But I've always thought in volleyball, even a little bit in softball, you go to state softball and you notice this. Volleyball, basketball, even you know softball. Um, the culture and the attitude of the kids that are not playing is there's full engagement all the time. Uh, they are the the kids that are not playing are fully engaged in the success of their team. And uh, so those coaches, whatever they've done, they've somehow built a culture uh, to uh, to help to help everybody know that everyone's important and everyone has a role on on their team. And then on the flip side, what I've always noticed about those those great benches, invariably they'll get in a game in Lincoln that's a blowout, okay, yeah. and they're winning, yep. yep. they're winning, and those kids get into play. And the kids who started and created the blowout act the same way yeah. toward their teammates who support them mm-hmm. all the time when when the games when the games in doubt. Yeah. And so uh, that culture somehow um, is built. And uh, I've always said to um, I, I think my, my dad would have said this. A lot of coaches I know would have said this. Um, 
the te- the coaches that had their the coaches when they had their best seasons they coached less than when they were 500 or six and ten um but they they coached less and they had great parents who everybody understood what the what their role on the team was and there's probably a few exceptions to that but if you can create a culture where the kids know their role and the parents and the parents are accepting of what their child's role on the team is for that season no matter what the record is you're gonna feel like you probably had a successful season you know and then i think it just comes down to then I just think it comes down to, uh, at that time, who are your who are your Jimmys and Janes and, and Joes, yeah. right? I mean, uh, boy, Cam Binder makes Jim Weeks a pretty darn good coach, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Ch- Chucky Hepburn, Chucky Hepburn makes Doug Woodard a pretty darn good coach. Hunter Silas makes Tim Cannon a pretty darn good coach. Yeah. Uh, Britt Prince makes her mom a pretty darn good coach. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. you know, um, does it? You know, it, when if if Brit if Brit Prince or Cam Cam Binders graduated, and all of a sudden Auburn might lose a game this year and they haven't lost in four or five or six years or whatever the heck it is. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just ridiculous. Does that make Jim Weeks a bad coach all no. of a sudden? No, no not at all. No. Um, and so I think people need to you know people need to to understand you know th- th- those things. Um, you, you know, it's a perfect storm when you're. You know, when your state championship good, it's a perfect storm of great athletes, great parents, and those people who, and then those other uh, extra people accepting their role and making you a better group. Yeah, I uh, I had a stretch where I went about three years where I had a really really good point guard named Megan Korth, and then I had probably the best female athlete in the state in Mamie Conroy. And I had one heck of a press break for about three seasons. Throw it to Megan or Mamie and just get the hell out of the way. And and I was I was a genius. We didn't get pressed for three years. I mean right. nobody nobody pressed us for three years and and yep. boy that, that was that that was that was that was great coaching by me. That was great mm-hmm. coaching by me. Uh, yep. Kind of, kind of like Phil Jackson clearing out for Michael Jordan in game six right. against Byron Russell, you know, but yep. uh Great, uh, Gino Ariama said it. You know, great players make great coaches, and yep. uh, can't can't be any more true. So, Tony, I want to read you a list here. You ready? Okay. Greg Gross, Smokey Burgess, Manny Moda, Mark Sweeney, and Lenny Harris. Those are the five all-time leaders in Major League Baseball history in pinch hits, and you. <laughs> May have just jumped to the top of that list, my friend. Oh, that's funny. That's yeah. funny. Well, I hope I don't know when you're going to drop this, but I hope that my little leaguers from Hastings are still having fun at Williamsport, and I hope somebody gets a chance to watch them before they uh, before their run ends. It's been uh, I know the coaches there; uh, they did a great job. Uh, they have represented our state so well, and mm-hmm. and uh, really, uh, really uh, appreciate you having me on and, and, and pinch hitting. Oh no no! I hey. was terrible at baseball. I quit baseball in the fifth grade. I no good. <laughs> well, I, I, I tell you what, I, I got my I got my go to guy. Uh, any time we we get a, we get a last minute cancellation, like I said, the uh, the coach that canceled uh, today felt awful about it. Uh, we we hope to have uh, that coach on next week, and uh, we got some other things up our sleeve here. But uh, 
no, we, we've, we've been kind of circling, each, like I said at the beginning, we've been kind of circling at each other, and, and this is this is a great opportunity for us to, to finally have an extended conversation with one another. So Yeah, it was great, and, and I want to tell you that uh, just about every time the, the two-minute drill comes out, I click the arrow and hit bookmark so I can use it for a practice plan. Uh, I, I, in, I use that stuff so often. It's so great. We got a few year out of bounds plays and sets in for some of our youth teams and, and don't ever stop doing that stuff. It's good. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a, uh, it's been a, uh, a, a work of passion, kind of like you with your, yep. with your strive sports and your, and your Nebraska preps and, right. and, uh, you know, like I said, you know, us us media moguls need to stick together here, I guess, you know, so. Uh, exactly. <laughs> well, hey, uh, uh, hey. by the way, uh, if folks want to reach out to you, uh, sure. you, you know, how, how do they get out to you, Tony? Probably the best, the DMs are open, uh, at Tony underscore Chapman 76 uh, on Twitter, and uh, my kids will tell you I'm on it too much, so you're, if you shoot me a DM, I'm probably going to get back to you uh, pretty quick. I'd love to talk high school sports, youth sports to anybody. Uh, be, uh, they can always reach out whenever. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, why don't you hold the line here real quick? Uh, just got to wrap up the, uh, the podcast here. Uh, Tony Chapman, awesome conversation here tonight. Uh, had a great time. Uh, again, we want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosec Chiropractic. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin is the handle. Uh, download, rate, and review on iTunes. Give us a five star review so we can move up the rankings here. And of course, if you if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. And along with that, check out a pen and a napkin.com. Uh, those updates to the website hopefully this week last week was a crazy week we had to move two kids into college uh, we had our big fundraiser last night which went awesome if any of the folks at, at Fort Calhoun are listening thank you so much for the support we had a great night and uh, we're going to do some great things with the funds that we raised so uh, my name is Marty Plum this has been Tony Chapman coaches as always let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time